Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Most of this hour will allow for more of your calls. Cam Newton, Colin Kaepernick, Jalen Ramsey, Rick Pitino, Steph Curry, Paul Feinbaum, other craziness. We'll get to more of those calls. We'll also give away those NASCAR tickets. Joining us now, as promised, from the ACC Network, he was a star at Georgia Tech for the Yellow Jackets on the gridiron as a team captain and fun to watch running back. He now does great work for Sirius XM as well as the ACC Network. We're heading into a weekend where Florida State fans are scrutinizing their coach Willie Taggart as they face Louisville, where Wake and UVA fans are charged up about 3-0 starts, where Notre Dame kind of sorta an ACC affiliate is headed to number three Georgia Tim Tebow was in the headlines in college football this weekend for other reasons Roddy Jones is a versatile dude and we will ask him about all of these things tapping into that versatility Roddy what do you think I know you heard by now Mike Leach's breakdown of the Pac-12 mascots since you represent the ACC network among others uh, how would you envision that 14 being breakdown uh, oh man! What do you think, it, it, DG? First off, thanks for having me on. Sure. Um, it, it, it would it would certainly be fascinating. I, I'm like Mike Leach. First off, we got to set the ground rules on what a demon deacon and a blue devil. What powers do those True. guys have? How many yellow jackets are we talking about? When you're talking about a wolf pack, how many people are we rolling with? Yep. Seminoles? That's plural. Is this a is this a whole uh, a whole group of Seminoles? Is it one Seminole? There's a lot of clarifications that we need. I mean, even a hurricane. Category five is not the same as that category one. Are we talking about Sebastian the Ibis? Are we talking about the actual storm? So we've got to set some ground rules before we can really go into this. Uh, but you got to give you got to give the advantage to the people that either have the mystical powers or that roll uh, roll in deep numbers. Yeah. That's a heck of a breakdown. My lawyer mind works like leeches as well, and I even got to this point. Are we going bracket-style playoff, or are we going yeah. pro-wrestling-style <laughs> battle royale? Because in the Pac-12, wouldn't a beaver automatically destroy the Stanford tree, but yet yep. a beaver against a different matchup may be the underdog? Oh, you're, you're exactly right. You know, the, <laughs> the, the Boston College Eagle would win in a one-on-one -on -one battle with a lot of these because it could be a war of attrition. True. He's just flying around for days and days and days. A cardinal? Uh, but. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So you know, there's there's a lot. I think we can all we can all rest assured <laughs> that the Syracuse Orange would probably finish last. Uh, but other than that, you know, it's kind of up in the air. <laughs> well done, Roddy Jones is joining us. Follow him on Twitter at Roddy Jones twenty. I know you were not wearing a Notre Dame uniform, but you have played between the hedges. Georgia is number three. The Bulldogs have that great rivalry against your alma mater. So you've kind of been there, done that. I wonder how you describe that scene because not, they ha, they're setting a new capacity record, I believe, with 93,000-plus, including some temporary aluminum bleachers. And they anticipate another 90,000-plus outside the stadium, Roddy. I don't know how much you enjoyed the atmosphere as you're getting off the bus as a Georgia Tech player, but how do you describe that little slice of college football and even Americana? 
well, DG, uh, I grew up in Atlanta, and obviously when you grow up in Atlanta, you grew up with a ton of people who love the University of Georgia. So uh, apart from Bobby Dodd Stadium, I've been to more football games at Sanford Stadium okay. than any other stadium in the country, both as a player, uh, as a, as a I'll, I'll say quote-unquote fan, but, but just a casual observer is more what I'll call it. Uh, but I've been I've been to probably 10 or 15 games there, and it is one of the great environments in college football because the stadium is massive, obviously over 90,000, getting close to 100,000 people. Uh, just the pageantry of the red and black and, and, and the way they pack that stadium out, the passion that the fans show, uh, it, it's one of the great spectacles in, in college football. And, and obviously when you get into that conference, you get a couple of them that are like that. Uh, but Georgia's certainly up there. And, and then when you get a name brand, a, a, a place with the tradition of Notre Dame, going to Sanford Stadium for the first time, people around this program, around Georgia and in Atlanta uh, and just really the Southeast in general, have been talking about this game since last season ended. It's been circled on the, uh, on the calendar because people want to be around just to see the red and black of Georgia, those red jerseys with the silver britches, against the Golden Domers of Notre Dame coming to town in Sanford Stadium. Uh, It's going to be, I'm sure it's going to be an electric atmosphere. It'll be loud. It's probably not the loudest stadium in the country just because it's so cavernous. They've got that one end that's open. The sound kind of escapes. I equate it as like being in a loud room. Whereas some places you go that are tight, packed, uh, like Virginia Tech, they're a tight stadium. Yeah. Kind of goes straight up, holds the sound in. That's like standing next to a speaker. So you, you can't have a conversation next to a speaker. But if you yell, you and I could have a conversation in a loud room. That's kind of what Sanford Stadium's like. But that place is going to be electric. Honestly, like I, I would, as a fan, would go to that game just because of the pageantry around it and how much fun it'll be for the people that are there. The best matchup matchups nationally include Notre Dame at Georgia, both undefeated, both highly ranked. Auburn is at Texas A&M, Michigan is at Wisconsin, and then one that involves a single ACC school, number 15 UCF, is at Pitt. And I wonder your thoughts in the broad sense. Did Pat Narduzzi botch a chance to upset the Nittany Lions at Penn State this past weekend? And what do you make of their chances at home against a UCF team that clearly is one of the best programs outside the Power Five, has been beating up on some Power Five opponents over the years. I can't make sense of Pitt because they got crushed by Virginia at home, and yet they almost beat Penn State at Penn State. What's going on there? (laughs) Uh, I think it shows you the inconsistency of Kenny Pickett a little bit because he was fantastic in that Penn State game, but struggled a little bit against Virginia. And that's the development that you get – when, when you look at the new offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple there, they've changed some things for Kenny Pickett, put a little bit more on his plate. So I think you've seen the development of him. Talking about, about going back to that Penn State game and the fourth and one call uh, down there on the one-yard line, um, you know, did they botch it? I, I don't know. I don't like the call of kicking the field goal. Uh, I saw there's a stat out there that, that Penn, or excuse me, Pittsburgh is the only team – uh, in the country that has not gone for it on fourth and one, is elected to kick a field goal on fourth and one from the one-yard line within like a seven-point game in the last 15 years. Wow. It's just not something you see people yeah. doing. Uh, and and it, it goes against the nature of that program. I look at Pat Narduzzi, and I look at a coach that's about toughness, that's about gut check time, that's going to be aggressive when needed. And so I was just shocked and surprised. I get the rationale behind it. The, hey, you know, we've got three play calls that we really like down on the goal line. We ran all three of them. 
didn't get the results that we wanted because of execution, so we're just going to kick the field goal and regroup. I understand that thought process, but you got to consider you're on the road against your big rival. You're not going to play ever again right now as it stands. So why not go for it? Like, let's show your team that I believe in you and I want you to be able to get that one yard. And honestly, you can look those guys in the eye when you walk off the field if you don't get that one yard and say, guys, look, we needed one yard to tie that football game on the goal line. I went for it because I believed in you. And whether we failed or, or, or succeeded, just know that I had that belief in you guys. And if we, if we can't get a yard, we don't deserve to win the game. So I, I like that that mindset more than I do the let's kick a field goal, see what happens, because you still need a touchdown eventually to get one. And what's better, scoring a touchdown, trying to score a touchdown when you're on the one on fourth down or relying on an entire drive to get down there and do it. So I did not like that. Uh, in terms of this weekend, UCF's one of the best teams in the country. It would certainly be an upset by Pitt yeah. um, just because they're so explosive all over the field. They won this game last year running away with it. So I, I would be surprised if Pitt's able to pull the upset. Roddy Jones is joining us. Pitt hosting UCF. Louisville is at Florida State this weekend. That's an ESPN game. Charlotte visits Clemson and Death Valley Saturday night. That's an ACC Network game. We'll talk about the others a little bit later in this hour. You played college football. We had one of your ESPN colleagues, Ryan McGee, on the show yesterday. And he, he, was, he gave his own answer to the Tim Tebow phenomenon of the weekend where Ryan was actually with Tebow after his comments went viral where he kind of made an interesting general point about us living in a selfish culture where it can be all about me to an extreme degree. I was with Tebow to that point. And then Ryan described Tebow being shocked and like in dismay at the world pushing back on his kind of implying that college athletes are being selfish when they're asking for, you know, potential compensation for their likeness, name, image, et cetera. You were in these shoes during your time at Georgia Tech. I'm sure you guys saw people of great means, no means, and, and everywhere in between. Did you think Tim Tebow was tone deaf with those observations, or are you uh, seeing more eye-to-eye -eye with him on that? No, I, I, I completely disagreed with, with what uh, Tim said, and I, and I think he was coming from a place, uh, from a good place. You know, he, he was a, a guy that obviously benefited a lot from, from the platform that college football gave him. And, you know, we all have our blind spots. Uh, Tim, you know, as much as all of us like to think we can see the full picture, we all have our blind spots. Tim Tebow's lived a very blessed life. So, so it's easy for, for him to be able to say what he said, but, but when you look at the larger uh, swath of college football and athletes and, and where, these, uh, where these guys come from, uh, it typically is not from a background uh, that, is, that is a lot like the one that I came from, uh, which is not like the one that Tim came from. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys have families that are struggling, and, and whether or not uh, you feel like it's selfish, look, we, we live in a world where uh, there's money flying around all over the place. And, and we're in a world where player empowerment, we see it in the NBA, we see it in the NFL now, and it's been sort of creeping into college football over the last 15 years or so. I mean, I think it kind of the wave kind of started with the Ed O'Bannon case, if, if not earlier. So we've seen the right start to creep towards the athlete, both in the professional and the college ranks. So th these are headwinds that no one's going to be able to stop. Let's be completely honest. You have states passing legislation yeah to move uh, forward the ability to be able to pay these athletes. It, it's just one of those things that's going to happen. 
So it, it's whether or not you want to be on the right side of the history or the wrong side of the history. And, and giving players more, more ability to, to be able to do some of the things in the offseason or, or, or outside of, of the football field monetarily, uh, giving them the ability to make some money, that can't be a bad thing. Let's, let's even the playing field at least to what a, a college student would be able to do in terms of work, in terms of making money off the work that they do. Uh, so, look, I don't think these guys should be making millions of dollars in college, uh, but I do think they should be able to, you know, live a, a, a less paycheck-to-paycheck life, if you will, uh, than, than, uh, than, than what they do now. I mean, I was a student athlete uh, renting an off-campus apartment in Atlanta. I got that stipend check every month. And let's just say after the rent was paid, after groceries, after the, the utilities were paid, after groceries were bought to eat, there wasn't anything left. So if I wanted to go to, you know, the mall or, or go to a movie or, or go on a date, you know, there were it was either me having to go out and find money, whether it was asking my parents or, or, or hoping that, that someone had an odd job for me to do, or uh, it was just not do it. So um, the, the time to be able to work, uh, to have a little bit of, of walking around money just isn't there. So I, I'm, with, I'm with everyone who – uh, while I get where Tim is coming from, and, and I think he said it in the right, or he had the right mindset when he said it, he comes from a different place than I think a lot of people who, who go through college athletics do. Last thing for Roddy Jones of the ACC Network. They have another full slate this weekend. Also, great work with Sirius XM. As I look at the ACC games, you mentioned UCF at Pitt. That's an interesting game. You know Carolina does not want to be beaten by an in-state power from the Sun Belt in Appalachian State. But maybe the one game that jumps out the most to me, maybe to you, we'll see, is an all-ACC matchup with Louisville at Florida State. You know what is in play here as a veteran observer of this league. Scott Satterfield's in his first year at Louisville after inheriting a dumpster fire, and yet he's 2-1, and and even the loss, the Cardinals put up a fight on national TV against Notre Dame. Juxtapose that against Willie Taggart is in year two at Florida State and lost to Boise State and lost to Virginia and needed a missed extra point to beat Louisiana Monroe. I mean, that is such a stark contrast as Louisville visits Florida State on Saturday afternoon in an ESPN game that I really just don't want to picture what it would be like in that fan base at FSU if somehow the first-year coach Satterfield has his team looking better than the second-year coach at the more prestigious program, Willie Taggart in Florida State. What do you make of those dynamics? Because you know folks are already screaming in and around Tallahassee, and it would only mushroom if the Seminoles can't beat the Cardinals. I was I was going through that through that thought experiment. What would the world look like if Florida State <laughs> lost this game? And it was kind of one of those cannot compute moments. Like I don't <laughs> I can't even think about what it would look like. Right. Uh, it would it would be it would be awful. You know all of this all of the the surrounding all of the things surrounding this program all of the tension all of the negative negativity around this program. Uh, mushroom is a great word um, because if look Louisville's going to play hard. And uh, since they had that Notre Dame game, they've played two opponents that, and, and they beat them the way they should have beat them, Eastern Kentucky and Western Kentucky. So going down to Florida State, this is going to be the, the first time we truly see what Louisville has. You kind of punched above your weight against Notre Dame, and, and you ended up losing that game. Here's a team that, that you are 
uh, athletically going to be under un, you're, you're not going to have the same thing yeah. you're, you're overmatched somewhat athletically but from a culture standpoint from a energy standpoint from a playing hard standpoint an effort standpoint i would give the edge to louisville right now and, and the issue with florida state has not been the talent i mean in that virginia game there were stretches of time where they, the defensive line of Florida State absolutely dominated Virginia's offensive line. The only reason Virginia was able to pull that game out is because Bryce Perkins just did his magic. Yeah. He was fantastic in the game. So with a, with a game that ended the way that it did, can this Florida State team mentally, from a culture standpoint, go back home to a stadium with who knows what, who knows what the crowd's going to look like on Saturday? Can they put all of the noise aside and beat a Louisville team that they should beat? And, and, and honestly, they should go out and beat Louisville handily um, just because of the, the depth issues with Louisville. Will Puma pass play? We don't know. Uh, you know. But I could also see Louisville coming out, hitting a couple big plays to a guy like Tutu Atwell uh, and, and having Florida State kind of on the ropes. So you know, this Florida State team really need a definitive victory this week and just to get everyone off their back for a little bit and let them go play ball. They need to go out and beat Louisville handily. And even if it's close, a close win or God forbid a loss could that, that would just be, I mean, it would be horrific for Florida state. Absolutely. Roddy Jones, they haven't given you the team captain label yet at the ACC network. They don't have one of those, do they? No, 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 no. We got we got a couple of guys. You know, we got a quarterback. Good leadership and, and, core. You know, Eric McLean on the offensive yeah. line. I defer to those guys first. You know, I, I'm just the running back. I do the dirty work. Uh, I respect that about you, Roddy Jones on Twitter at Roddy Jones twenty. Catch him on Sirius XM and of course the ACC Network. Thanks for the time. Enjoy the weekend. Absolutely. Thanks, DJ. You got it. One eight hundred eight four nine two seven six one. Rick Pitino and Louisville were involved in a forty million dollar lawsuit. It finally came to a close. I'll tell you what happened. Steph Curry has committed to play for Team USA at the Olympics next year, assuming good health. He did win gold medals at the World Cup with that Mike Krzyzewski guy. But Steph of Davidson and Golden State Warriors fame has never played at the Olympic Games. Those concerned about the seventh place finish, and I think you're right to be disappointed if not embarrassed about that at least a ray of sunshine looking forward to next year's olympic games as team usa seeks to get back to the gold medal level we've become accustomed to over the decades jonathan jones on the nfl is in the books roddy jones on college football is in the books more on the steph curry rick patino colin kaepernick cam newton jalen ramsey and other headlines of the day you can dive in on one of those college football or nfl matchups that we have discussed so far we've had fun with mascots if Mike Leach is allowed to do it in Pac-12 country, we're allowed to do it in ACC country. You can be next on that goofy topic if you like it, 1-800-849-2761. We will have a NASCAR four-pack ticket giveaway on the other side. Trivia question, I try not to make it too hard. You can bring three friends to the Bank of America Roval 400 on Sunday, September 29th at Charlotte Motor Speedway if you don't win. Go to charlottemotorspeedway.com for more information or to buy tickets. And don't forget the grand prize in that four-pack giveaway can be won only by registering at davidglenshow.com. You would not only get four tickets to the race, you get four pit passes on top of it. So try to win by phone on the other side. 
Bank of America Roval 400. It is a cut race in the NASCAR playoffs. More on that later. But go to davidglenshow.com if you'd rather not call. The grand prize there again, four tickets to the race, but also four bonus tickets in the form of pit passes. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. There are strong opinions, as you might imagine, on Cam Newton and the criticism he took from Paul Feinbaum earlier today. Where Feinbaum was right, where he was wrong, I outlined my two cents earlier. We'll take yours. Colin Kaepernick's representatives have called, among others, the Steelers, the Jets, and the Saints as the backup quarterbacks in the NFL look mostly miserable and almost none of whom have anything like the resume that Colin Kaepernick built uh, in especially 2012 to 2014. He, remember, has not played in the NFL over these past two seasons mainly because NFL owners didn't want any part of the pushback they would get either from their season ticket holders or the president of the United States or some combination of those things. And that's them speaking, not me. Colin Kaepernick, 31 years old now, two years removed from the NFL. But back in the conversation as quarterbacks are going down left and right with injuries here and afar, 1-800-849-2761. We'll give away NASCAR tickets. We'll take your questions and comments on those football and other matters, and we'll do so next. 1-800-849-2761 on the David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Some quick headlines. What should you make of something in New York right now where a state senator from Brooklyn is aiming to make New York the first state to require colleges to pay student-athletes directly? Now, remember, this is different than what California is doing, where they're just asking to open the door to the free market and let... These athletes get compensated for their name, likeness, image, et cetera. What should you make of the California law? What should you make of the New York proposal? There's a South Carolina one out there. There's a North Carolina legislator who has a national proposal to change the way college athletics works. The only thing you really need to know is that some of this is posturing by legislatures. Some legislators, I should say. Some of these that are on the governor's desk, for example, in California, don't even take effect for so many years down the road that you don't have to worry about how's it going to work with athletes in California. They're allowed to take this money. In the other states, they're not allowed. And what about this New York thing? Many of these are written in a way to scare the NCAA into action. They are not written in a way where the current college sports season is going to be impacted by it. So if you're intrigued by this stuff, which I've covered for a long time, so it interests me, sure, do your homework. If you're really about, well, I don't care what the system is, just tell me if it's going to impact my school, my team, you know, the next tailgate party or whatever. No, nothing is that close to the front burner. These are all shots across the bow of the NCAA. And the smart money, in my opinion, as a guy with a legal background who studied this pretty closely for a long, long time, you're not going to have a state-by-state -state solution to this. So you read this in California, that in South Carolina, now this in New York. It's all going to be out the window. If this is addressed, it's going to either come from the NCAA 
under this pressure, public relations-wise and otherwise, or it is really going to be an act of Congress. It will be federal legislation telling the NCAA that they need to lift certain prohibitions on how college sports works. So that's that headline. Rick Pitino has settled his lawsuit with Louisville. What should you make of that? Well, he was asking for $40 million and saying that he was unfairly fired. He accepted how many dollars in his settlement today? Y'all don't need to pay me at hourly rate as your de facto attorney here on the David Glenn Show to figure this part out. How many dollars exchanged hands from Louisville to Rick Pitino in the settlement that was announced today? Again, Pitino filed for $40 million in damages. I was unfairly dismissed, etc. He got $0. <laughs> so you don't need a lot of analysis there. I will say this. He had a bad lawsuit. So many bad things happened while on his watch that nobody had any sympathy for him. I don't believe he was personally involved in a lot of the wrongdoing. I do believe he was guilty of being asleep at the switch as some of his underlings were, you know, hosting strippers and throwing crazy parties and violating NCAA rules and in some cases paying players. I mean, lots of stuff happened. You may believe all head coaches know all things that their underlings are doing. In my experience, it varies a lot person to person, school from school to school. And I don't believe Rick Pitino had active knowledge of what was going on in most of those examples. But that doesn't mean he gets off the hook either. If I were Louisville, I would have fired him. And if I were Louisville, I wouldn't have paid him a dollar either because Louisville had the better end of the argument. Rick Pitino had some weird kind of technical arguments that his lawyer was making that aren't worth getting into. But the bottom line is the correct bottom line. Rick, you should not feel sorry for Rick Pitino getting fired at Louisville, even if he wasn't actively participating in the wrongdoing. He was so asleep at the switch on so many examples that he is not a sympathetic, sympathetic figure in my eyes along those lines. Keep in mind, he got a job in Greece. He continued his basketball coaching career. What today is, and Pitino claims he settled against the advice of his attorney. Maybe so. He wasn't going to get a lot of money. I didn't know he was going to get zero. But that shows the lack of strength in his case, and a judge in his case kind of showed some skepticism at some of the uh, earlier court arguments. So Patino's being practical here, saying, I can get Louisville to list my departure as a resignation instead of like a dollar or any chunk of the $40 million he was asking for. He, he asked for a bunch of smaller things, no dollars, but you do need to put it in the record, Louisville, if I'm going to agree to accept zero dollars, which you know Louisville was ready to oh, we can close this matter? We can stop paying all of our attorneys to defend us against this mostly ridiculous lawsuit? Oh, yeah, where do we sign? What do we have to do? What are the little things that you're requesting? One of them is that they have to list for perpetuity that his departure was a resignation, not a firing. And, you know, Louisville, you might philosophically think, well, Rick's trying to win the public relations battle, and it's, you know, he did so many things wrong that he earned his dismissal. If you deal with enough lawyers and enough lawsuits long enough, trust me from personal experience, you will get to the point where you just say, okay, he wants us to describe it as a resignation. We don't have to pay him any money. Okay. And that's how it works. Seriously, you just, it's like legal exhaustion. And Rick Pitino, still in his late 60s, remember, he's, I think, five years younger than Mike Krzyzewski. He's younger than Roy Williams. 
as long as these loose ends are hanging over him, he can't, he, nobody's going to hire him in college sports. Remember, the grease job is a pro job, obviously. He loves college basketball the most. Somebody, hey, somebody hired Bruce Pearl after he was cast into the NCAA dungeon for his violations. Somebody hired Todd Bozeman after he was cast into the NCAA dungeon. dungeon. Nobody's allowed to hire him for a period of years. He got another job. If you win at the level Rick Pitino did and the next school thinks you can put them on the map, I don't think he's going to get the highest tier job. But if he ties up this loose end, so that when somebody calls Louisville and now they have to say, oh, yeah, it was just a, re- a resignation. He wants to recreate probably one more college sports job. I mean, Tubby Smith is at high point, right? That's lower in the Division I ladder, all due respect. Rick Pitino is probably not going to get a top-tier offer despite his Hall of Fame resume. If he ties up a new, enough lawsuit loose ends and NCAA scandal loose ends, Will somebody take a chance on a guy who's won that often in that many places? I think the answer is yes. And I think accepting $0 from Louisville was his effort to close the chapter, turn the proverbial page, and maybe get different answers as his agent places more phone calls to find him. You know, I know he wants back in. Now, it's too late for the upcoming season. I mean, late night with Roy is like next week, right? I mean, the next season is here, almost. But a year from now, somebody gets fired in March in a mid-level program, I, somebody's going to take a chance again on Rick Pitino. The entirety of modern college sports history tells us if you win the way that guy has won, some president out there of a university is going to say, man, even if we pay him $3 million a year, having Pitino here is going to get us $20 million in recruiting and publicity and secondary benefits for our middling program and university. It's going to happen. And Rick Pitino is being practical with the way he settled things here. Matthew in Raleigh wants to win tickets. Gary and Wilson wants to talk football. Let's see if we can give away a four-pack to the Bank of America Robo 400. The event is Sunday, September 29th. It is a playoff cut race. Learn more at charlottemotorspeedway.com. Matthew in Raleigh. We try not to make our NASCAR trivia questions difficult. On a 0 to 10 scale, how would you say your your knowledge of current NASCAR drivers is? Uh, I mean, I would say I'm at like a, an 8 or a 9. All right, well, then you're going to get this question right. There are 16 drivers still alive in the what they used to call the chase for the cup, the NASCAR playoffs. So it'll actually be cut to 12 after – the Bank of America Roval 400 that we are trying to send you and three friends to. Can you name four of the drivers that are alive right now? As I give you one important hint, I believe Matthew, when he says he's at least an eight or nine, maybe nine on a 10 scale. I just want to add, because I like winners, that seven-time NASCAR champion Jimmy Johnson is not alive. Uh, Sounds weird, right? Sounds weird. I didn't want Matthew to stub his toe on that one. But give us any any four drivers. Go ahead. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, Kevin Harvick. Boom. One, I believe. Uh, Kyle Busch. Boom. Uh, Brad Keselowski. Boom. 
And my man, Chase Elliott. Boom. You actually gave us, I think, four of the top six in the stands right now. That's very well done. Matthew did not even know the question. He was bold enough to call. And thanks to that boldness combined with his expertise, I'll give him a 9 out of a 10 scale. What do I know? I'm a sports radio host. I can tell already he knows more about NASCAR than I do. He and three friends are headed to the Bank of America Robo 400. Hang on the line. We'll get your information. In this case, I believe we mail the tickets to you. Remember the grand prize, Darren. I, I live by the keep it simple, stupid kiss philosophy. We're getting a little crazy with all the websites that I have to mention to our listeners. <laughs> all right. I, I've got accsports.com where we send our audio and my weekly rankings and other things. accsports.com. That one's near and dear to my heart because I created it 25 years ago. We have davidglenshow.com. You'll see my ugly mug, even a long and boring biography. You got to scroll down. But you'll see the NASCAR banner, the Bank of America Roval 400 banner. It's painfully obvious. Painfully it says, obvious. Click here to click enter here. to win VIP tickets as our grand prize to the Roval 400. I like that phrase. Painfully obvious. <laughs> if you're willing to scroll down at davidglenshow.com. Remember, there's two ends in Glen. Some of you disqualified yourself from our NFL picks challenge by bouncing an email to the wrong address. Two ends in Glenn, <laughs> davidglenshow.com. You get not only four tickets there if you're the grand prize winner, you get four pit passes on top of it. It is all for the same event, the Bank of America Roval 400, a week from this Sunday, so September 29th. Learn more at charlottemotorspeedway.com, accsports.com, davidglenshow.com. And if you want to see us at a big tailgate tour event or register to win four free Continental Tires, Go to BigTailgateTour.com. That's one more for you. I don't even want to get into TheAthletic.com or any of the other crazy <laughs> relationships that I have out there. BigTailgateTour.com. Remember, our only trip to ECU is this Saturday, only meaning 2019. Our only Big Tailgate Tour stop at App State is next Saturday. Both of those are family weekends for the Pirates and the Mountaineers. One of the reasons we like visiting homecomings, family weekends, sometimes rivalry games, etc. We were there at State when ECU visited the Wolfpack. We were there in Chapel Hill when Miami visited the Tar Heels. We will be there this Saturday at Stadium Sports in Greenville, 2.30 to 5.30 is where you, when you can find us there at Stadium Sports. Wonderful place to get your Pirates gear. Right there where 14th Street meets Charles Boulevard, not far from Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. We're at ECU this Saturday. The tents, games, prizes, and the Continental Tire Toss from 2.30 to 5.30. And then, of course, we all head into Dowdy Ficklin for the 6 o'clock kickoff. Storm Squad will be with us on this Saturday's Big Tailgate Tour stop. They don't go to every stop but they do tend to join us at State, Duke, Carolina, ECU, and some of those closer to their home, the Carolina Hurricanes, in the capital city of Raleigh. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. No more NASCAR tickets or Hurricanes tickets today. No more Panthers tickets for this month. They're on the road the next couple of weeks. What are we going to learn about David Tepper, the Panthers owner, as his quarterback is in injury jeopardy one more time, as his team has started 0-2 after missing the playoffs in his first full year as the owner, and as Arizona has both a first-year coach and a first-year owner, if you think Florida State fans will be mad if they lose to Louisville this weekend, and you're right, how would David Tepper 
interpret an 0-3 start if it turns out that way. More of my thoughts on that with your phone calls. Rick Pitino, Steph Curry, Colin Kaepernick, Cam Newton versus Paul Feinbaum, Jalen Ramsey, college football. Questions, comments, complaints are all fair game at 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. Well, I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Also, it was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last call for phone calls. Our two great guests in the books, the Jones brothers, if you will. 1-800-849-2761. What a crazy day. Colin Kaepernick, Cam Newton, Steph Curry, Rick Pitino among the headliners. Mike Leach with his mascot battle royale from Pac-12 country. We've had some creative nominations on the ACC mascot battle. More serious questions and comments are welcome as well. 1-800-849-2761. Quickly, the one thing I promised. One thing I've noticed about most successful business people I've ever encountered, I mean business owners, true decision makers, they tend to be smart about not claiming expertise where they don't have it, but even, of course, leaning on expertise where they do have it and even being forceful that way, no, no need to apologize if you're the smartest person in the room here or there. The smartest people know when that is not the case as the topic turns here or there. But somebody like David Tepper of the Carolina Panthers, for example, or a Tom Dundon that I've gotten to know as the new owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, they'll admit when they don't know your job description as well as you do, but that doesn't mean they're not going to ask you difficult questions. Why do you do it this way? Why do you do it the same way as last year? Have you looked at how others around the league do this job? You know, it might be a narrow job about game day production. It might be a broad hockey question. He doesn't claim to be a lifelong hockey guy. He doesn't claim to be a hockey guru. But he'll have questions for his analytics people. He'll have questions for Rod Brindamore. And he wants intelligent answers to his why question. If you're David Tepper, consider this picture as your Carolina Panthers go to Arizona with an 0-2 record this week, perhaps without the injured Cam Newton as their starting quarterback. Step back, get away from the micro, and get all macro with me as you pretend to be in David Tepper's shoes as the Carolina Panthers owner. In week one, you lost to the L.A. Rams with a healthier version of Cam Newton. You know deep down inside the Rams head coach, Sean McVay, is a true difference maker. Will he end up being a Belichickian-level difference maker? We don't know. But there is no doubt that he has been a difference maker the way a Sean Payton with the Saints has been as an offensive guru. No doubt about it. So you might think you have a good coach in Ron Rivera, and I would agree with that assessment. But you know that Ron Rivera's resume does not suggest anything like the game-breaker difference maker Sean McVay with the Rams. And you lost a close game with a healthier version of your quarterback. Okay, let's just chalk that one up as a close call. In week two, your ninth-year head coach, Ron Rivera, lost to Bruce Arians, the first-year head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that game also was at home. Now you're 0-2. 
And it's not unfair to say, well, wait a minute. How did Bruce Arians, two weeks into his head coaching job with the Buccaneers, go on the road and beat my ninth-year head coach, Ron Rivera, at Bank of America Stadium? And you might be willing to chalk that one up. All right, Cam hurt his foot. He wasn't himself. He completed less than half of his passes. The Panthers didn't look good in the trenches. All right, Bruce Arians at least was good elsewhere. Another close loss. Now you're 0-2. Think macro again. You don't have to get into the gory details. With or without Cam Newton, if the Panthers lose to Arizona this weekend, and again, without Cam, it would be different. If he's healthy, you got to play him. If he's not healthy, you got to sit him until he is healthy. Cliff Kingsbury is a brand-new head coach at Arizona, and Kyler Murray is a brand-new quarterback. Kyler Murray's still learning the NFL version of the game. Cliff Kingsbury got fired at Texas Tech at the college level. You want to talk about moving up the ladder after getting dismissed. He's one of the rarest examples you'll ever see. Can you imagine being David Tepper saying, man, I've got a ninth-year head coach and a ninth-year quarterback, and now I'm potentially 0-3 at the hands of Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray three weeks into their NFL journey together? This is where my guys are in year nine, and this is where they are in week three? Those optics don't really look very good. The details matter. If Cam can't play and Jonathan Jones says he doesn't expect it to happen, David Tepper has to decide whether he is the personality that watched the Pittsburgh Steelers have only three head coaches in a 50-year period, a half century, and they only changed coaches twice. Are you the patient former minority owner of the Steelers whose culture you admire and is overflowing with patience? Or are you the hedge fund manager who, when somebody else in your business rise up the ladder, wouldn't give you a job or promotion you thought you deserved? You bought his house later, tore it down, and built something that much more gaudy just to rub it in. Are you that David Tepper hedge fund guy? Because that dude doesn't have patience, man. That dude's making statements left and right. Are you that more mild-mannered, patient Steelers guy? I don't want to know the answer as early as next week. But that is in the background as the Panthers head to Arizona. Final thoughts and TV picks next. Rob Schneider joining us on the David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friends said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? It's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch comes. Thanks to Jonathan Jones of Sports Illustrated, Roddy Jones of the ACC Network for dropping by, Mike Leach, Paul Feinbaum, and others for their contributions in different ways. TV picks, Phillies Braves on ESPN tonight, other baseball, Canes at home against the Lightning 2. Enjoy. We'll see you tomorrow. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.